This is Louisiana Considered on WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge. I'm Diane Mack. Just ahead on today's show, a popular children's opera takes us on a spooky trek into the woods. And the warmth of the approaching holiday season is magnified with an act of kindness at a special concert. But first... It's been just one week since John Kennedy won a second Senate term in a landslide. Now the Republican is saying he is seriously considering running for Louisiana's open governorship in 2023. And he's got polling data that says he may be a favorite in that race. Here to discuss is Capital Access reporter Paul Braun. Paul, thanks for joining us. Anytime, Diane. Paul, the midterms are behind us, and now all eyes in Louisiana politics are on the governor's race next year. Tell us why this announcement from Kennedy is such big news. Well, Governor John Bell Edwards is term limited and cannot run for re-election in 2023. And the second term Democrat is really an aberration in ruby red Louisiana and the only Democratic governor in the Deep South. So this race is largely expected um, to see a Republican fill this seat. And, and there's a long list of high profile GOP candidates that are lining up for that opportunity. So far, the only one who's officially declared is Attorney General Jeff Landry. Um, But another independent, Hunter Lundy of Lake Charles, has also declared Kennedy making this sort of splashy announcement um, is is big news because his entrance as a well-funded early favorite could dissuade some of the other Republicans sort of thinking about this, uh, could keep them from launching their own bids. And Kennedy has polling data he showed us yesterday to back that up. So walk us through those numbers. Yeah, so these come from a poll commissioned by Kennedy himself and conducted by Torchlight Strategies, a Republican polling firm. And they asked voters who they would choose from a list of potential candidates, sort of like our open primary system. The list included Kennedy, of course, uh, also Jeff Landry and Hunter Lundy, who have both declared in the race, as well as some other folks who might weigh in, uh, wade into it. Kennedy's colleague in the Senate, Bill Cassidy, for example, also Congressman Garrett Graves, Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser, and, and a few others. Sean Wilson, the current secretary of the state's Department of Transportation and Development, was the only Democrat included in that poll. And he hasn't officially declared no Democrats have, but he has expressed some interest in the race. So he's a good sort of filler for a Democratic candidate there. So this poll simulated the open primary and pit all of the candidates against each other. And Kennedy came out on top with 21 percent of the vote. Wilson was the only Democrat in in the list, and he came second with 18.2 Jeff Landry was third with a little more than 12 percent and no other candidate earned more than 7 percent. Now, it is worth noting that this is very early and about a quarter of respondents were undecided in this. Um, But next, they simulated a head to head matchup between Kennedy and Wilson. And Kennedy took that one with 55.6 percent. Wilson, by comparison, only earned 32 percent. Another 11 percent were undecided. Okay, so those are some strong numbers. What makes Kennedy such a formidable candidate in this race? Well, I think the big thing is name recognition. Kennedy, from his his position in the Senate, has, you know, made a name for himself, not just in Louisiana, but across the country with his folksy one-liners on Fox News hits. Um, He seems to enjoy going viral and has has created a character that I think resonates with a lot of at least cable news viewers and, and certainly 
quite a few Republican voters as well. His fundraising prowess is impressive. He brought in $36.6 million for his Senate reelection campaign. That's 10 times as much as the combined total for all of his Democratic challengers. And that's for a race that nobody really thought was competitive. Like if he's getting into a real, you know, a real contest, a real arms race um, against Jeff Landry or some others next year, that would be a pretty big deal. Something that could complicate matters is that Attorney General Jeff Landry is out to an early start. Um, he, it's been an open secret since even before 2019 that he's had an eye on the governor's race. Um, and he officially declared his candidacy earlier this fall and has already secured an endorsement from the state GOP. A lot of folks are kind of up in arms about that in terms of how it was done. But he does have the backing of some some mega donors in the GOP, including Lane Grigsby and also businessman Eddie Rispone, who was the standard bearer for the Republican Party in 2019. So those are all complicating factors. This this race for governor is is high stakes. Traditionally, the governor in Louisiana wields a lot of power. We've seen that a little bit diminished with Edwards, a Democrat in office with the Republican legislature. But if you get a Republican in there with a Republican legislature, it's really an attractive seat to a lot of Louisianans in the GOP. We'll keep an eye on this race. Paul, thanks so much. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Paul Braun is the Capital Access Reporter for WRKF and WWNM. A popular children's opera continues the season for the New Orleans Opera Association as it presents Engelbert Humperdinck's Hansel and Gretel. The opera is based on the Brothers Grimm fairy tale. Former UNO grad, tenor Chauncey Packer, sings the role of the witch, and he joins us now. Chauncey, welcome to Louisiana Considered. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) This sounds like a fun forest adventure. You have performed in many roles in opera houses across the globe. How did this fairy tale experience grab your attention? I've known about it for a while. It's normally cast in a mezzo or tenor. So I've wanted to play this role for a long time. It's so rich with character and good quality substance. So for an actor to play and do character work. And it's so different from the other things that I sing in opera, the romantic lead or even the other character work that I do. So I've been dying to play this role for a long time. (laughs) Tell us a little more about yourself. You hail from Alabama? Yes, I was born in Pensacola, Florida, and raised in a little town called Fairhope, Alabama, all there on the Gulf Coast. And then I moved here to New Orleans to attend grad school at University of New Orleans. And I did post-grad work at LSU. Take us on this journey. This is a story about siblings lost in a forest in Germany. Yeah, so it's the fairy tale of Hansel and Gretel. And the story is a lot about hunger. There's not much food there. And the whole energy of the show is driven by hunger and food and desires and greed. And so things around things that we consume, these little kids, they end up in in the forest after their parents, uh, their mom sort of dismisses them to the forest after they break the the milk jar that that was the dinner for the family. Um, And she's really angry with them. So they they get um, end up in the forest and happen upon the witch and her enchanted house there with candy and delicious cakes and things to eat there. So that's the story, the fairy tale of it, Hansel and Gretel. 
And it's been interesting to study how the, the fairy tale has adapted through different cultures and different inceptions of a sister and brother and a witch. So it's been really interesting to study from the Slavic tellings of it to the Italian tellings and the German telling of it. So it's really um, fun and yet scary at times. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of scary at times, you are the witch. What do you bring to the character? Hopefully I bring some complexity, but yet a reflection of conversations that we can have. You have children who are hungry for something, and they go to their parents to be fed, and then the parents, out of frustration of not really knowing what to do, dismisses them to the forest. So we can think about this as children being hungry for knowledge, even in this day and time, and how parents often just refer them to the Internet, the World Wide Web, and we can see that as the enchanted forest, you know. And by the end of the telling of this tale, the father and mother go into the forest to retrieve their children because they know they're in danger of the legend of the witch. It's an interesting reflection of what we can glean from it even today of a commentary of human existence. But for me, I think it's really fun to sort of play the scary part of that. If I were the keeper of the World Wide Web or the keeper of the Enchanted Forest and the dangers that kids could get entrapped in if I get my hands on them. <laughs> it's an interesting dichotomy to play that from this corn sweet witch to this all-consuming character that wants to devour kids. That's a lot of range for me to play, and I'm really excited to play that. Should audiences be concerned about being put under a spell? Mm. <laughs> You will have to enter the theater to be in the house to see. (laughs) 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 That's been another thing, really exciting thing to play with the witch laugh and and, and, and different inceptions of what we consider to be uh, witches nowadays. So it's been nice to study and study the history of it from the Salem witches to different fairy tales of witches and how we view witches nowadays from the Bugs Bunny witch to different witches now on different shows that we have. So it's been a dream come true for me as an actor and as a performer to put my research and work with the the creative team and and as we say in New Orleans, to put it into the gumbo and to come up with this delicious dish of fairy tale and fantasy and theater. I think it's going to be a great night of theater. (laughs) (laughs) That's quite a range, and it's really fun to let it play. I bet, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So who are the other principals in the cast? The Gretel is played by Michelle Marrero, and the Hansel is played by Emily Pong, wonderful singers and actors. They also both have done the parts before, so it's a great luxury for me to have colleagues who are familiar with the piece because this is my first time to play the witch. So it's been a really a, a, a great pleasure to play the scenes with them. They're so free and very giving of their energy. I couldn't ask for a better experience. My first go-round in this witch, Apostle and Greta. So is there a lesson to be learned from a children's fairy tale? I truly think so. I look at it as the main thing is driving the show is hunger. 
and how we cope with the basic needs that we all need to eat. We all need to consume something to live and survive. But how do we address those needs and how do we address the things around that, such as greed and manipulation or helping each other once we have these basic needs? Those kind of lessons are throughout this tale of Hansel and Gretel, whether the sister and brother, are they sharing when they pick the berries that they are sent to fetch? And if they eat all the berries or will they decide to share them with their parents and take it back? We can glean quite a few lessons from these fairy tales. This is based on the Brothers Grimm fairy tale, but you guys have taken some creative license in telling the story as to how it ends? The witch is definitely killed or she's burned at the end there. Some of the telling of our production is whether or not it's told in a fantasy or whether there are modern touches in our telling. There are some modern touches that the directors decide to go with. I think there's a television screen in the dilapidated house that the, the kids grow up in. Um, then when the father comes home, he's, he's got a beer, you know, in hand. So there are some modern touches. I think also once the kids are freed from my enchantment, from the witch's enchantment, and they are freed by Hansel and Gretel, some of them are wearing costumes from other periods of time, as if the witch has been doing this for a long time and trapping children. Um, so there are definitely um, sort of um, decisions to not just tell it in an, a foregone time of a fairy tale, but to sort of bring it into today and put some modern touches on it. But the opera definitely ends with the reunion of the mother and the father and the kids and the death of the witch. Tenor Chauncey Packer, this has been fun. Thank you so much. This is a pleasure to play this role and a, and a pleasure to be home in New Orleans to debut this role. The New Orleans Opera presents Engelbert Humperdinck's Hansel and Gretel, featuring the Louisiana Philharmonic Orchestra. Performances run Friday, November 18th and Sunday, November 20th at the Mahalia Jackson Theater of the Performing Arts. More info is online at neworleansopera.org. From WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Diane Mack. As the holidays draw near, the gift of a winter coat can mean so much to children in need. 
Dr. Coe's Coats for Kids is an annual concert event in New Orleans that collects coats and soothes souls with an evening of holiday music performed by some of the city's beloved musicians. Dr. Ji Young Ko is a Xavier University professor and cellist, and she joins us now with a special guest. Welcome to Louisiana Considered. Hello, Diane. Thank you so much for having me again. Oh, of course. And who did you bring to the studio today? Uh, it's really a pleasure to share with you guys that I have my former student here, Amelie Karras. Nice to have you here. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back in time, Ji Young. How and when did this coat drive begin? It was 2009, one year after I moved to New Orleans. We started with other musicians, classical musicians, a coat drive at the St. Louis Cathedral. And then we found like many, many other venues. And we've been doing until the COVID hit us. And we've been collecting more than 3,200 coats so far. Oh, my goodness. Why is the event so important to you? First of all, we are collecting the coats for the children who need the coats and also... As the co-host, Mr. Alice Masalis, told me, it's not only about the coats, but also bringing the community and people together. And as an artist and community members, I see the great result every year. And Amelie, you're a former student of Dr. Ko. How have you been helping with this effort? So I started attending the Coats for Kids concerts the first year that I was studying under Dr. Ko, and I'd only been going as a viewer and just to be a part in collecting the coats. I was in charge of just making sure they looked nice, but now since I've been a part of this event for a couple of years, I've um, started volunteering a lot more and helping a lot more putting together events. So for instance, this year, I'm um, coordinating and trying to gather as many volunteers as I can within the community, a lot of young people my age and trying to educate them and spread the awareness. Everybody has coats during the year. And and so a lot of um, people and especially a lot of young people don't understand that they're people that don't have that. Tell us about this year's musical lineup. Dr. Ko, what will we experience? Yeah, it's not going to be only musical lineup this year. We are adding some visual arts. So visual artists will come. Some of them will give us their beautiful artworks so we can auction to help more students this year. And also some of the visual artists will be featured on stage to work with musicians. Artists include Ron Bechet, who is a professor at Xavier University as well. He's going to bring his beautiful artwork that will include dancers, African dance team, and drummer. And it is about his ancestor. And we have Marcus Brown, who is going to create arts during the performance. Also, we have Alan Gerson, whose work shows like a little boy, I think this boy, <laughs> with a bassoon in his painting. And my string quartet, Fobro Quartet, will play Harry Potter theme. And I have Mr. Dennis Parker, who is my professor, former teacher in LSU. He created some art pieces with cello, little old whatever cello that he found on the street or in shop. And he created a bird and also he created a little piano. And we have Ayo Scott, who painted with the mulberry from his garden 
after Mr. Alice Masalis passed away, he made a beautiful portrait. And also we have a Frank Stewart, who is a photographer of Wint Masalis. He already gave us one portrait of Mr. Alice Masalis and another piece of um, Mr. Alice Masalis plus Winton. Dr. Ko, I see you brought your cello with you. Are you going to play something for us? Um, I just wanted to play a very special song for your listeners because, you know, it brings with really beautiful memory. Uh, as I mentioned, Mr. Alice Masalis was our longtime co-host for the Cots for Kids concert. Uh, there was a one kick-off event, which was also my birthday. So he was uh, sitting in the corner and watching me playing Nearness of You. I played with my accompanist, who is a classical pianist. And then after I finished playing, he, uh, he was just sending me some signals, just staring at me. And I asked him, what? Uh, did I do something wrong? But he didn't say anything. And he stood up. And then he was sitting on the bench, right? And I asked him, so you want to play? And then, yes. So we play the same song once again in his version, right? <laughs> and since then, we've been play- we played so many times here and there for benefit concert, quotes for kids, or just when we hang out, we just play this song all the time. So this year, when we play at the quotes for kids, my students, Xavier's Symphony Band students, will play a company why I'm playing the solo, the melody, the nearness of you. So I thought I'll play just a little bit to give you a taste, just a little melody line from nearness of you. that was beautiful. Thank you. But we are going to start with one of the string quartet by Mozart. And then we are going to switch to Queen's Don't Stop Me Now and come back to Mozart's string quartet. And Mr. Alice Mozart's quartet, unfortunately without him, will perform as well. Also, I have Xavier University's symphonic band playing Oblivion Tango piece. And please expect something fun. The tango dancers will collaborate with us. And also we have tradition every year that we close the stage with What a Wonderful World with all the musicians together. Dr. Ji Young Ko, Xavier University professor, cellist, and founder of Dr. Ko's Coats for Kids and former student Amelie Karras. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you so much. Dr. Coe's Coats for Kids Concert 2022 will be held in New Orleans on Thursday, November 17th at 7 p.m. at Gallier Hall, 545 St. Charles Avenue. More info is online at eventbrite.com.
from WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you've been listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Diane Mack. Thanks to our guests, WWNO, WRKF, Capital Access reporter Paul Braun, tenor Chauncey Packer, Xavier University professor and cellist Dr. Ji Young Ko, and student volunteer Amelie Karras. Our managing producer is Alana Schreiber, and our digital editor is Caitlin Umholtz. Our engineers are Garrett Pittman, Aubrey Procell, and Thomas Walsh. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at noon and 7.30 p.m. It's available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience, with additional support from Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation.